uh, I want to start off by asking a question. And here is the opening question. What do you do when you fail? Like, how do you deal with failure? Like, how, how does it affect you? And then, and then, more than that, what does Jesus do with our failure? So the other day, um, I'm at the gas station, and I go inside to get Diet Cokes, because that's what I do when I'm at a gas station. I go inside, and I get a Diet Coke. But I can't get just one for me. i got to get one for me and Shannon and Abby. And so I fill up the biggest cups of Diet Coke that you can possibly get at the gas station. And I pay for them, and i got three of these, and I'm trying to hold them and do the best job that I can getting back to the truck. And when I get back to the truck, I realize that the gas pump is still in the truck. So I got the line kind of going down between the gas pump and the truck. And, I, and I'm too impatient to walk around the truck. So I look at this gas line and I think to myself, I've got this. Y'all know where I'm going with this? Do you see what's coming? So I'm like, yeah. So I'm like, I got this. And, and what you also have to know is that this is the time of day when everybody in Columbus decided to get their gas. You were probably there. Do you remember this? Y'all probably were there. Everybody was there. It was one of those days where you had to wait in line to get gas, which is just crazy. So everybody's there. And I get one foot over the line. And I'm like, okay, careful, careful. And it wasn't until I go to get my second foot over I can't even do it like pretending. I get it hung on the line, and I go flat, face down. Cokes went everywhere. Everybody in the outside at the gas station was looking at me. One lady even comes over to me, and she's like, Sir, sir, are you okay? And y'all, I've never felt like more of an old man. Because you could hear it in her vo voice. She was like, sir, sir. I mean, it just basically was like, y'all, poor old man fell. Poor old man fell. He's down. Do you have your life alert? Like, sir, like, where's your walker? Do you have your walker? Did you misplace it? So I'm sitting there, and I'm like, well, and actually, I went back to the gas station. They actually got it on footage, and I figured I'd show this. Here, here I am right there. It goes right there. Right there. <laughs> I mean, that's not it, but that's basically... That's basically what happened to me. And y'all, it was embarrassing. <laughs> I was like, I stood up, I was like, everybody leave me alone, I'm okay, I'm okay. What do you do when you fail? And not just little fail, like not just a little failure like you spill your Coke or something. No, 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 I'm talking about when you fall in life. Like when you fall flat, are, are you good at picking yourself up? Are you, are you good at dusting yourself off and, and pushing forward? Or, or do you struggle with that? Like, do you struggle with those moments? And then back to that question that I asked earlier, like, what does Jesus do in those moments where we fail? And, and if we're really honest with ourselves this morning, some of us are dealing with a failure, and we've been dealing with a failure. We dealt with it in 2022, and as we get into this new year, we're dragging that failure with us, and we just can't seem to shake it. We just can't seem to get up, and we're looking at God, and we're like, God, I need a miracle. Like, I need you to help me with this area of my life, because I don't feel good about this, and I don't know how... To move on. And you know that the hard part about talking with this subject is that failure doesn't just happen once, it like keeps happening in life, right? Like this world 
is tough, and it's so good at just knocking us down. Time and time again, we just get tripped up. So let's talk about it. What do we do with those moments where we fail, where we need a God of miracles? And to help us with this, what I want to do is I want to take you to a story in Luke chapter 5 today of a time that the disciples were fishing. Now, if you're taking part in our Luke Bible study, which I hope that you are, we've got studies going on that are about to get started. But in that Luke uh, study, Andy uh, Stanley in week number three, he's going to cover this story, but he's going to take it in a little bit of a different angle. He's going to talk about faith and, and uh, trusting and obeying God with what he has next. But I, I want to talk about failure this morning. And I want to talk about specifically like how to have a bounce back. How can we bounce back? Because in this story, what we're going to find is that the disciples caught nothing. Like there was no fish that day And for some of us, that might be a normal occurrence when we go out fishing, but not for these guys, because this is how they made their living, right? They they know what they're doing. Like, this is their livelihood. This is a big deal. There was no fish that day. Time is money. And this, coming back with no fish, is costing them. I mean, these guys are pros at what they do. This would be like LeBron James not making any baskets. This would be like Acuna not getting a hit. You know, Brady not scoring a touchdown, right? Like, you get the picture, like, they're good at what they do. And they failed. And they have this moment all day long and nothing. They're discouraged. They're tired. They're frustrated. And then Jesus shows up. And Jesus walks up to them. He walks up to Peter. And he's like, and you know this story. You've heard this story. You're probably not connecting it just yet with where it's going. But Jesus looks at Peter and he says, can I use your boat? I want to give a message. I want to put out a little bit from the shore. I want to talk to you. Can, can you, can you let me use you? Can, you? can you help me get out there so I can give a message? And Peter's probably looking at Jesus going, why not? It's not doing me any good, right? He's probably as ill as he can be. So they put him in a boat. And he gives this message. And he's speaking to the crowd. And when he's done, he looks at them and he's like, now let's have some fun. Okay? I know you didn't catch anything. I know you're feeling bad about what just happened. Let's go back out. And let's go fishing again. And if you're familiar with the story, you know that they go out and they fill up their boat so much that their boat has so many fish in it that it starts to sink. Like, that's how big the catch is. They've never had this happen before. So they have to yell back to the shoreline, bring another boat. And they fill up their boat and they fill up someone else's boat and it's overflowing. And it's just this amazing story of one of Jesus' most well-known miracles. And I think What this story does, I think it can teach us a few things about how to bounce back. How to bounce back from failure. I think that what we're going to talk about this morning, if you apply these things in life, it will help you in every stage or every area of your life. If you feel like you're failing financially, if you feel like you're failing in your marriage, if you feel like you're failing with living out a dream, if you feel like you're failing in your business or in a relationship, I want to remind you of four things this morning. Four things that can make a difference. And we'll set up our lives to be able to see God work. And I breeze through the story 
So what I want to do is I want to read this story with you, and I want to pick out a few things on how to have a bounce back. And point number one, if you've got your message notes, let's go straight to point number one. When it comes to having a bounce back, number one, we've got to invite. If you've got your message notes, go ahead and fill that first blank in. If you're online with us, man, I'm so glad that you tuned in this morning. The message notes are on the app, so go find them, and you can fill these in as well. Number one, we got to invite Jesus into our boat. In other words, we got to give Jesus control of this situation. We got to give him control of this area. This is the starting point for success in this story. And the reason I say this is because of how it starts out. So let's read this through together. Let's dive into Luke chapter 5, verse 1. It says this One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. And he noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them, and they were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon Peter, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat, and he taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it's deeper, and let down your net, and let's go catch some fish. I love this. Now, cool little tidbit about this. On our upcoming trip to Israel in November, we're actually going to see a first century boat. I brought a picture of it here. They uncovered this in the Sea of Galilee. This is dated back to that first century. Uh, And although it's unlikely that this was the boat that Jesus actually preached from, it is very, very likely that this is what the boat would have looked like, how big it would have been in that time. And if you're going with me to Israel, you'll be able to see this. And if you're interested in going to Israel, you can come talk to me after church. But Jesus sets out in this boat. He goes out a little in the water. And a, cool, a couple of cool reasons he did this. And when, you, when you're in that um, Bible study and you're listening to Andy Stanley talk about this in week number three, he's going to talk about the amplification that comes off the water. But also when we read this, another thing about this is that the crowds pressed against Jesus is what we read in those verses, right? We have all these stories. And y'all, when you're in Israel, you'll see just how small those streets are. And you were literally pressed against people. But people even more so when it came to Jesus They clamored to get right next to him because they thought that if they could just touch him, and we have those stories where they just touch him and they're healed. And so all these people are pressing up against Jesus. He needs them to back off. He needs to get a little bit of distance. So he gets into the boat. And Peter lets him. Peter invites him in. If you don't get anything else this morning, get this. You got to invite Jesus into your boat. If you want a better life, if you want a more fulfilling life, if you want Jesus to work in your life, if you want a bounce back from a failing situation, you got to get Jesus in the boat. And when Jesus got in the boat, they caught in 10 minutes what they could not catch in 10 hours, right? What's the difference? It's the same boat, it's the same people, it's the same lake, it's the same nets. The difference is now Jesus is in the boat. So with that in mind, let me ask you this. Is Jesus in your boat? Is he with you? Like when it comes to that area where you need help, where you feel like a failure, or when something isn't going the way that you planned it to go, is Jesus with you? Have you invited him into that situation? For Peter, this boat was his business. This is how he made his living. This is how he made his money, right? And today his business took a hit. I got no money. I got nothing to take home. I'm going to invite Jesus in. 
Jesus, get in my boat. Use it however you want to. And then when Jesus is done, of course, the rest of that story, he looks at Peter and he's like, let's go catch some fish. But that only happened when Peter invited him in. You see, this is good. In order to receive God's blessings, we have to issue an invitation. In order to have God work, in order to get him to move, right? In order to open up my life for him to provide in this area where I obviously need some help because I can't do it on my own. We have to invite him into that situation. We have a choice. Matthew 6.33 says it this way. And I've, Lane, I think I have this one. Yeah. It says, but more than anything else, put God's work first. Put God first. Do what he wants. Then all the other things will be yours as well. You see... There's an order to things when it comes to seeing God work. God's saying, you got to put me first. right? You got to invite me in. If you invite me into your boat, that's a life I can work with. You put him first in your marriage, that's a life he can work with. You put him first in your finances, that's somebody he can work with. You put him first in your business, he's going to work, right? You get him in. Let him have control. And then watch what he does. You see, if I I can go back to something we talked about last Sunday when we were talking about this and seeing God's work and his miracles in our lives, that's hard for us because we're not always good at inviting Jesus into our lives, right? We, We like to section our lives out, right? We have Jesus over here, and then we have our job over here. We have Jesus over here, and I got my family over here. I got Jesus over here, and my friendships, and my social life, and my hobbies, and everything else over here. And we don't allow them to mix, or we don't want to bother Jesus with those moments of failure because we feel bad about it. So we don't bother him with it. And it's so easy to look at God and be like, God, you take care of the big stuff in life. Like, you take care of all that stuff that I have no control over. Like that war in Ukraine and famine and the need in the world and that crazy spy balloon floating over America. Like, what's that all about? Right, God? I'm going to leave that up to you. Right? I got this. I know I failed, but I got this. And if I get desperate enough, I'll come to you. But, but, but until then, I got this. And when we do that, we miss out. We miss out on what God wants to do. We've got to invite him in. And inviting him in is the difference between not catching anything and catching so much that your boat sinks. So that's the first thing we got to do. We got to invite them in. Second thing we got to do, and we talked about this a little bit a while back, but let me hit this again. We have to admit, admit our failure to him. And we got to talk about this because this is hard to get through our thick heads because, like I said before, we don't like to admit when we fail, not to anybody, much less to God, right? But we have to. There's a lot in Scripture about confession and confessing those moments to God. And bringing that and laying that at his feet. Let me show you verse 5. We find this confession from Peter. He says, Master, Simon Peter replied, We worked hard all, all last night and we didn't catch a thing. Now again, for Simon Peter, this might be hard to admit to anybody. Much less to this Jesus, this great teacher that's just... Come into our presence, right? I mean, if if you and I, again, if we go fishing, we don't catch anything, not a big deal, right? But it is for them. They're pros. 
They've grown up on this lake. They, they know when to fish. They know where to fish. They know how far to drop their net. They know all this, right? And they've been at it a full day. But even the superstars strike out, like I just said. They did their best, and they got nothing. So I'm sure it was humbling for Peter to look at Jesus and say, you know what? My best wasn't good enough. We have nothing to show for all the work we've done. Have you ever felt that way? Like, have you ever felt that after doing something, after contributing so much, after getting to this point, after putting all of your heart and soul and whatever, just put it all into this, and then at the end of it, you're like, for what? For what? I don't feel like I accomplished anything. Like, my best was not good enough. I worked all day, all night, and for what? I've got nothing to show for it. There's so many times we feel like a failure. What are the things that cause us to fail in life? There's a lot of things that cause failure. Let, let me give you a couple of few reasons we might fail at some. Let me, let me share these with you real quick. Number one is arrogance. One of the reasons we fail so much is we get arrogant about it. Proverbs 16, 18, this is a very familiar verse. If you're proud, you'll fall. You know this verse, right? I like how the message puts it. The message paraphrases it. It says, the bigger the ego the harder the fall. See, just when we think we know it all, right? Just when we think, I got this. Just when I'm holding those Diet Cokes and I'm like, I got this. Proud you fall. We know this. We set ourselves up for failure when we think too much of ourselves and we don't put anything into God. Second thing is disobedience. The second thing is disobedience. And in the Old Testament, Moses is talking to the children of Israel before they go into the promised land. And he's setting them up. Moses wants to set the children of Israel up for success. Not for failure, but for success. And so he says this, and I'm going to read this whole thing. I think it's great. He says this. He says, today, Israel, I'm going to give you a choice. He says, you can choose life and success, or you can choose death and disaster. You can choose success, or you can choose failure. The choice is yours. So he goes on to say, I'm commanding you. Here's what I got to say. I want you to be loyal to the Lord. I want you to live the way that he has told you. That means obeying his laws and obeying his teachings. And here's why. You're about to cross the Jordan River, and you're going to take that land that he's giving you. And if you obey him, you'll live, and you'll become successful, and you'll become powerful, and you won't fail. In this chapter, Moses is like, listen, God's commands, they're not unattainable. They aren't unreasonable. They aren't this, this heavenly pie-in-the-sky type of thinking that nobody can possibly master, right? No, 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 no. God's very clear on what he wants, right? And if you do it, if you're following him, this is the life he can work with. But if you don't, then there's going to be problems. You know, it's always amazing to me when people live in open disobedience to God with what God wants, with what the Bible teaches, and then they wonder why things are so tough. They wonder why they fail so often. Have you ever noticed that? I, like, I could give you multiple examples, but I think that you get the point. You see, you see God, God gives us his commands, not to be a burden, but to free us up, to live the kind of life that he wants us to live, the, the, the life that's better, the, the life that allows him to work and move, and provide those miracles. And we get in the way when we don't obey. 
Another thing that happens is that we doubt. We doubt. And we'll talk more about this in a minute. But James, the brother of Jesus, he puts it this way. He says, when you ask God, you got to believe. Don't doubt. Sometimes we fail because we don't doubt. We, we doubt that God is able to do or God is able to work or God is able to plan or God is able to help me, right? I, I know so many people that are in their 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, and they have no clue what's next, and they've failed so many times, and the reason... They don't know what to do with life is because they've never fully trusted God. They don't really believe that God has a plan. They've never given their lives over to him. They doubt that he's good and he knows best. And then the last thing is discouragement. Sometimes we just get discouraged and we give up. Galatians 6, 9, it says this, we'll reap a harvest of blessing if we don't get discouraged, right? If we just keep going ahead but sometimes it's so hard we get discouraged we don't reach out to God like we should and we just give up so I want you to be aware of these things like be aware of arrogance and doubt and disobedience and discouragement because these things will trip you up and cause you to fall and if you're going to recover from failure then you know what it means it means admitting admitting these things to God And going to him and humble yourselves before God and say, God, I was arrogant. I thought I knew it all, but obviously I don't. God, God, I was disobedient and I messed up. I did not follow what you wanted in this situation. God, I doubted you and I did not give my life and I did not trust your plan for me. God, I got discouraged and so I just gave up. We got to go to God and we got to admit, even on my best day, I'm not good enough. And I need you. So I'm going to invite you to get in my boat. I'm going to admit, just like Peter did, fished all night, hadn't caught anything. I'm going to admit my failure. And then the third thing is I'm going to obey. Number three, I'm going to obey whatever you tell me to do. One of my favorite old hymns is Trust and Obey. Do you remember that one? You know, trust and obey, for there's no other way. To be happy in Jesus than to. There you go. Yeah. It's a good one. We got to trust and obey. That, that, that means we trust him. We obey what he wants even, even when it doesn't make sense. And the reason I bring that up is because what Jesus is asking Peter to do is unreasonable. It's unreasonable. Let's go back to chapter 5. I only gave you the first part of that verse. The rest of it says this. This is what Peter said. He said, Master Simon Peter replied, We worked hard all last night and we didn't catch a thing. You remember that part, right? Here's the next part. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. I love this. And y'all are going to get more of this in the Bible study when we're talking about Luke. But if you say so, I'm going to do it. These guys, these guys are done fishing. They're finished, right? They're tired. They're ready to go home. Besides that, why would they listen to a teacher, a preacher, a washed up carpenter, right? Who's not doing carpentry anymore. They're probably, Peter's probably, he could have said in his mind, he's like, Jesus, you stay in your lane, I'll stay in mine, right? I've been doing this all my life. I know what needs to be done. If I need a cabinet built, I'll give you a call. You can talk to your dad, Joseph. You can make me a cabinet, right? But you worry about you. I'll worry about me. But Peter didn't do this. He didn't act that way. He didn't argue. 
and he didn't delay. And because Jesus said so and because Peter obeyed, again, caught more in 10 minutes than they did in 10 hours. All because they followed. And if you read this story, Jesus is giving him specific instructions for how to fish. I love this. He says, go out deeper. He's telling them where to fish. He says, let your nets down. Like he's telling them when to fish out there, when to let them down. He's giving them very specific instructions. He's guiding them step by step at what they had just failed at. But man, what a great quote to take with you. Just think through this the next couple of weeks as you read through that that story in Luke and just think of those words. But if you say so, if you say so, Jesus, I'm going to do it again. But this time, this time when I do it again, you're going to be in the boat with me, right? And I'm going to listen to what you have to say and I'm going to trust and I am going to obey you. I'm going to admit I don't know what to do or how to do it, but I'm going to follow what you have to say. That attitude, it makes a different. And that kind of attitude, man, it shows our faith. And as we said before, faith, faith is what pleases God, right? That's what he's looking for. That's a life that he can work with. But I got to warn you, obeying God, even, even when it doesn't make sense, obeying God is scary sometimes, and it always involves a risk, right? And that risk, if you're willing to take that risk and move out and go into the deeper water, that's where the miracles happen, right? Jesus asked Peter to get away from the shoreline, right? We're going back out. We're going out this time, though. We're going for deep, deep. Why push out the deep water? That's where the fish are. That's where the miracle is going to happen. And yet so many times, how often are we unwilling to get away from the shore? Right? We're not willing to obey. When there's more fish and there's miracles ahead, if we would just follow, if we would just obey. Imagine if Peter had said no. Imagine if Peter was so tired, he didn't want to start the process over, he didn't want to go out to deep water. We would not have this story and he would have missed out. Obeying Christ, even when it doesn't make sense, even when we don't want to. You know, I was, I was, I was telling, I was, I was using this this morning for our volunteers. And I was saying, you know, obeying Christ for what he wants us to do on Sunday morning, gathering for worship and serving him. It's hard. And it's easy not to obey. It's easy to sleep in. But I told them, I was like, man, I'm just so glad that you're here. I'm glad that you are listening, that you're obeying what God wants for you because that's where he can work. You know, that's a life that he can work with. Obeying Christ when we don't want to. Peter doesn't really want to, I'm sure, when it doesn't make sense. You know, there's moments where it's like, God, I, I just don't know. And I, 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 don't, I don't have the finances to try again. And, and I don't have the time. And I don't have the talent. And, and I don't think that I'm even capable of doing this. You know those moments, right? Obeying Christ sometimes means taking a risk. It means getting out there doing sometimes what you don't want to do. But that's where the reward is. So... What is he asking you to do? What's he asking you to do? And why aren't you obeying him? And then the last thing we got to do, very simply, is we got to believe. We don't doubt. Don't doubt. 
do you think that if Jesus involved is telling Peter to do this, do you think Jesus being involved in this situation that he's going to fail again? Like, seriously, no way. Like, you can't name one story in the Bible where Jesus messed up, right? He never had an oops moment. He never tripped at the gas station, right? He never had one of the... Imagine the wedding at Cana of Galilee when his mom told him to change the water into wine, and instead of wine, he changes it into sweet tea, and he's like, oops, sorry, but you're going to love it. Millions of Southerners can't be wrong, right? No, that kind of stuff didn't happen. When he's in the boat, he's given the instructions. He's got a plan, and his plan... Is good. One of my favorite verses is Jeremiah 29, 11. I say this all the time. I know the plans that I have for you, says God. They are for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. That's what God has for us, a future and a hope when we choose to believe. When we choose to believe, when we obey him, we have a choice. This is what his plan is for us. And that, having, knowing that God's plan is good, knowing that there is a future and a hope for this situation, whatever it is, I just failed in. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. So speaking of miracles, let's close this story out. Just show you the result in verse 6. It says this, when the fishermen did as Jesus told them, they caught so many fish that the nets began to break. So they called to their partners in the other boat, come on, help us, help us. So they came, and they filled both boats so full that they were almost sinking. Both boats almost sunk. They had more blessing than they could handle when they did what God wanted them to do. In fact, they had to share their blessings with other people so their boat wouldn't sink. Don't miss this, okay? Don't miss this. It's so good. God wants to pour into your life. In fact, he wants to pour into your life, into those situations so much that what he pours into you pours out of you and into the lives of other people. He wants you. He wants to be a blessing to you so that you can be a blessing to other people. That's how God works. And who knows, when God works in your life, you may be able to work in someone else's life, and God may use you to be the miracle that somebody else needs. How great is that? And that's what we see in the story. The blessing, what a cool thing. It just, it just pours out of them and into the other boat. Guess what, people? You've got blessings too. Not only did God work for us, he worked for you too. Such a great thing. Back to the story. What happened to the disciples after Jesus performed this amazing miracle? Verse 11 says this. When the men brought their boats to the shore... They left everything, and they followed Jesus. They saw with their own eyes what Jesus was capable of when they went through these things with him. And they looked at Jesus, and they're like, I need to follow you. I need to, wherever you're going, Jesus, I'm going. I need you in my boat. I need you in my house. I need you in my car. I need you in my work. I need you in my school. Because guess what? Failure's coming again. It's always going to be a part of this world. And I know I'm going to fail again, but I know that if you're with me and I invite you in and I obey and I believe, then I'll get to see more of these types of miracles happen in my life. So, as we close this morning, let me ask you, we're already a month into this year. We're, we're, we're venturing into February now. Are you already tired? 
Are you already discouraged? Are you feeling like in that area of your life you keep fishing and you keep going, but you're not even getting a nibble? You're feeling like a failure. Do these four things. Invite Jesus into that situation. Maybe you haven't done that yet, to be honest. Maybe today is a good day to start and just say, God, I need you to come in. I need you to come into my marriage, into my finances, into my children, into my career. Into these. Invite them into those areas where you need them, where your trouble is. Admit that you need them, number two. Confess where you have failed. And number three, listen and obey. Obey what he's telling you to do next, and then believe. Believe that you serve a God of miracles. And let's see what he can do. Let's pray together. God, I just pray in those areas, God, where we fall and we need your help. Jesus, I pray that we would just invite you in, that we would make that room for you, that we would give you control. And God, when you speak and when you move and when you guide, God, we're going to obey. Even when we don't understand, we're going to believe that you have the power that we need to make a difference. And Jesus, we know that if we do all these things, God, we're going to draw closer to you. And we know that that's a life that you can work with. And we know that's where miracles happen. So God, we're going to trust and obey. Jesus, we love you so much. Thank you for providing our needs. Thank you for having a plan for us. Thank you that things are good with you. So God, we give you all that we have. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen.